Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, there is no better person to have on the podcast right now than Javi Lopez. Javi, what's going on? How you doing? Good? I'm well. Yeah, I'm enjoying an awesome fall day here in Georgia. It's good. Uh, well, listen, it's awesome. It's an awesome fall day everywhere because baseball is abound. Like we we um we have both lived the life of actually working in October. Um, you have lived a much more exciting life of working in October. I'm not gonna <laughs> bore you with what the media has to go through, but um but yeah, it's it's like you talk about sort of the fall day. Tori Lavello, when he was on the other day, said this. He said, like, it's long sleeve baseball. And like that hit, man. Like, I get it. Like, you're inside, the Rangers are inside, the Diamondbacks are inside, Houston's inside. But there's something about long sleeve baseball, right? I definitely agree. I think uh that's the, maybe the one thing that you could kind of pick on in this postseason is they really got Philly as your cold weather kind of club uh but yeah you're right i mean the domes in my opinion the domes kind of take away from it um but yeah it is you want this kind of baseball this is where you want to be and you've seen some great compelling baseball i mean we're going to get two games we already had a game seven we're getting another game seven tonight so that's that's what you want to see two teams not ready to go home that, that's what makes for compelling baseball all right so uh you have one full four world series not a lot of human beings can say that. Um, the cliche, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. cliche, the cliche question, Javi, is like, is where are your World Series rings? Uh, they are in the safe. I hardly ever put them on. Um, but when my kids were young, they're trying to to grab them. I had them kind of just sitting out, so I went ahead and put those away because my kids have a tendency to take things and then totally forget where they put them. So uh, I made that adjustment a long time ago. Put them in a safe. Oh man, you're not even for Halloween costumes. That's the ultimate Halloween costume. So <laughs> yeah, but you don't my, want to get my it mixed son up. Had with... a good one. Yeah, yeah. My my son had a good one. He was let's see, he was in first first grade. So they had given a replica ring when I won it with the Giants in 2010. They gave every fan a little box, and he wore it to school. The principal got hold of it. The teacher got like they they called me. I was like, guys, it's fake. Relax. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but I learned my lesson. I was like, I better not have the good stuff laying around. 
Well, like I said, it's what an awesome feeling. I, I, that's that's probably the stupidest statement I've ever made because obviously winning a World Series is an awesome feeling. But I do want to, you know, I want to go through sort of like just obviously you give a great perspective of going through that of and also feeling if a team is actually going to win a World Series, having that vibe, Bruce Bochy, all of that. But as we sit here, Game 7. So Game 7's – oh, it's funny because you know, before they changed the playoff format last year or so, they had that one-game playoff. And now like Fenway Park, Yankees, Red Sox, one game, wild card. There was – I forget about any other crowd. It was a game seven. I, I know it was a wild card or whatever, but it no was doubt. a game. It was it was a winner take all. Yankees Red Sox game seven. So you've been through a few game sevens. What is yeah. the for all? This is an educational tool for the Diamondbacks <laughs> and the Phillies. Phillies, by the way, no, never get no, never had a game seven. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's it's actually really impressive when you look at. The runs that they've had, I mean, they were so good uh, 2007 to through, what is it, 10, 11. I mean, they, they put in some good teams. But, yeah, when they got there, they kind of ran through it, which is pretty impressive. Oh, man. So so give me the vibe. So give me, having gone through this, from a player's perspective, give me, like, I, I'll just leave it there. I mean, from a player's perspective, what are you feeling heading into a Game 7 and how should you approach a Game 7? Well, I, I can only speak for myself and for the like conversations I've had with my teammates since then. You don't sleep. You're not sleeping very well the night before. And on both sides, either you've won game six to force a game seven or you've lost game six to force that game seven. And either way, you are anxious uh, and you got to control those emotions. You are on an adrenaline high for the entire playoffs to begin with. But now, like you kind of mentioned, you amp it up again uh, for a game seven. And, and I think one of the things that's really been cool is the two game sevens that I was able to play for. One was with Tito Francona at the helm, and the other one was with Bruce Bochy at the helm. And they're very similar in a sense that when it get, got down to it, they went ahead and it kept the address probably pretty small, pretty short. And it was one of those things, being a pitcher, they had the bullpen kind of pulled us aside and said, listen, boys, cleats on rubs, whatever you need, all the heat, all the things, get it done because I got to manage this game. If a pitcher, starting pitcher doesn't have it, I'm yanking them early. I'm going to do anything I can to keep the game as close as possible. Or if you have the lead, try to hold that as long as you can, hopefully for the whole nine. And so you got to be ready from jump. And I think that just turns it up a little bit more, amps it up. And, and I think that's one of the exciting things. Kind of, This is it. You win or you go home. And and I think that's that is a fun thing. I wish I wish fans were able to get in on that uh, to see kind of the locker room atmosphere. But at the same time, that's a sacred space. But it is just a bunch of guys looking at each other in the eye, saying, "Let's go! I got your back. You got mine. Let's go! Let's make it happen. This is what we played for." But it is a lot of stress. I will guarantee you that. It's you know so it's great that you had. Can you imagine, man? Terry Francona, Bruce Bochy, you know, like to have, you know, not only playing for them, but playing for them in those circumstances. And, you know, you look the first time, the first game seven for you was 2008, right? ALCS. Yeah. You mm -hmm. lost. I mean, I that was one of my most memorable games I've ever covered in my life. And, you know, you, but 
and you and you had won the game leading into that, right? It, I, like back mm-hmm. to like on you know every painkiller imaginable, you know, cutting. <laughs> well, he said, you know, get, getting through that that game six, going into game seven, and then you have all the way up until the end. And like to your point, I think David Price, Joe Madden uses the bullpen ups crazy early in that game. Um, mm-hmm. That was your first go round of it, and and so for the the perspective of like you said, everyone's ready to go, but in the bullpen we know that the guys are flipping seeds or whatever it is. Is it when you get out there, are you just like clockwork orange? I'm dating myself, but just like, <laughs> like straight ahead, eyes wide open, every single pitch like it's no shenanigans. I think uh, you try to keep it as lighthearted as you can. I'd say. Most of the guys were baseball guys. I'm sure you've heard this before. We're, I'd like to say we're not superstitious, but we're definitely stitious. Yeah. So there is like uh, flicking the seeds or eating a certain amount of seeds or chewing the bubble gum. All that stuff gets kind of abbreviated. You try to do it for like the first inning and two. Maybe most times it would be four to five innings you're messing around. Yeah, you get about an inning, inning and a half, and, and then you kind of got to turn it on. And uh, for us being in Tampa, indoor place, not the greatest bullpen, still isn't the best bullpen to kind of just be able to hang out. Oh, terrible. Um, but it is, you're basically yeah. sitting in the, with the fans. And, <laughs> yeah. and back then, back then, Javi, I don't know if you remember this. No, this is a c- complete diversion from what we're talking about. I think it was that year security at Tropicana Field busted out the taser guns. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah, they yeah. were tasering people behind your bullpen all the time. I mean – the cowbells, you had the whole skits going down there in Tampa. It was just, it was a loud place. I'll give them credit. It was packed. Um, but it's, it's, it is. You try to make everything as abbreviated as possible. Like I said, if you, if some of the guys, some of the later inning guys come out maybe fifth or sixth inning, they're down there from the beginning or maybe even by the second inning because you just don't know when you're going to get used. Sometimes that save situation comes in the fifth or sixth and you try to just piece it together. Kind of like what the Rays did that year with having David Price close it out. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of saw it in the last couple nights, uh, you know, with Merrill Kelly last night with the Diamondbacks pitching great and you pull them. You know, it's one of, it's just a cat and mouse and, and you're going to live and die with these outs. And, and they're so precious that you might throw your closer in the sixth or seventh inning just to keep it moving. I do want to get into sort of the, the bobbing and weaving and the navigating of starting pitchers and pitchers because you obviously watching the Giants a lot have, probably went through that in the regular season more than any team. And we, I, we had on Rich Hill um, in uh, today's this morning's podcast talking about that. Obviously, Rich has some experience with that. But going back to – so you're heading – all right, you, you're going through a World Series. You, As we said, you've won four World Series. What is the – what is there a common denominator in terms of the vibe that a team has? Maybe there isn't. But when you go into a World Series and you obviously have young guys and you have older guys and and I saw this Javi, I saw this Phillies clubhouse um, early on in the postseason. I walked in there. I'm like, oh man, that reminds me of winning a lot of guys that cure themselves thirty somethings. So anyway, I don't know if there's a common thread, but if there's anyone who's going to be able to give us a common thread, it's you. Well, I do think when you look at the Phillies team, it is built on. Uh, some veteran leadership. And this is where I think it's so important. It gets kind of lost is it's one thing to have talent. Uh, talent, of course, gets you very far. You look at the Diamondbacks, I mean, they're an awfully talented club, but you need a lot of guys with talent and with character and like that poison presence kind of thing and the pitching side 
And I think the Phillies kind of check a lot of those boxes. You have a lot of veteran guys. Bryce Harper was the guy in Washington. Whether he wanted the stage or not, I'm not sure at that point in time. But he wants it now. I mean, I haven't seen a better, a more comfortable hitter in the postseason than Bryce Harper. And that's saying some things with uh, with Garcia down in Texas, the way he's been going. But Bryce, it seems he's on time and he's aggressive, but he wants the spotlight. And I think that's what you need in these postseasons. You need veteran guys that want the, want the spotlight, want the big moment, and then deliver in that moment. And uh, again, they have a great starting pitching as well. The best teams that I've been on, those four World Series teams that I won with, they, we, we all had great starting staffs and guys that were comfortable, Bruce Bochy, Tito Francona, were totally comfortable letting them go that third time through the order, letting their eyeballs kind of dictate the move that they're going to make next, not so much leaning into the analytical side. That part, I mean, it's been around, it's going to stay around, but you, you do see some of the younger managers maybe pulling some guys strictly off a number as opposed to seeing the eye test. And and I think that's where I give Bruce Bochy a lot of credit where he just goes with the with his gut in those situations. He knows all the numbers. Don't get me wrong. Everyone says he's old school. He's old school to some extent. I mean, he ran out over a hundred different lineups, I think, during those those seasons, yeah. um, just trying to find the right places. But when it comes down to it, he's going to go with his gut and what his eyeballs are telling him with the swing and miss stuff as far as the pitchers are concerned. Or if a hitter is just not figuring it out, He'll make, he'll make the pinch hit. He'll do it. He'll do that switch and kind of just go with the feeling because ultimately it's his team and he's he's got that bond with these guys. And everyone knows that, and that's the thing. Communication is key, and both those guys were able to do that, and I'm just thankful I got to play with them. Well, speaking of which, so speaking of starters, speaking of like the – and I call it like sort of the get-on-my-back boys guys, you know, you've been privy to a couple, like you said, like really, really good ones. Yeah. 2007 yeah. – you had the run at Beckett. I mean, you aren't going to find much better than what he did, especially in that no. game, in that ALCS game. Um, obviously, Madison Bumgarner, to this day, go look up. I was looking this up, Bobby, like about third time through the order. Like, there's, we're never going to see that many at bats third time the, no. through the order in the postseason ever again. So, how much, how far does that, you have to, I, I don't care like about pulling guys, whatever. Yet for me, you have to have to find those guys, whether it's Zach Wheeler, whether it's Jordan Montgomery, whether it's Nathan Avaldi, whether it's, you know, I don't know, whoever, but you've lived it, right? Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think um, when you look at the, your best pitchers, traditionally, it's your starting staff. I mean, that's why they're the starters. I was a failed starter. That's why I became a bullpen guy. It's not now the times have changed a little bit. You draft strictly for bullpen guys. It's changed the velocities and they identify your secondary pitch and they identify your best pitch and make you throw it over and over again until they're till you get tired, basically. But these starting guys, um, they're they're starters for a reason. They're frontline guys because they one, they've got the best stuff, two, they enjoy the moment, and three, they thrive in that moment. And again, like I always talk about when I when I'm a, when I broadcast, I always talk about a pitcher and their poison presence. And I think the guys that you just mentioned had that. And and you look at Beckett from 2007, his his secondary pitch that that curveball was devastating. But it's not like that was just it. He had a 95 plus coming up with that, and he was able to protect it and hide it and do well with it. And I think when you look at Madison Bumgarner, he already had a little bit of funk turned his back had a, a weird delivery, but he had a lot of carry through the zone. 
and it's set up that little cutter in on those right-handers. It's just those guys want the moment. They throw strikes. They pound the zone. And ultimately, you trust your defense. And the Red Sox teams that I was able to be a part of and the Giants teams, we played quality defense. And you're looking at with the teams in the postseason right now, like I said, you're seeing yet another game seven. Both of these teams can catch the ball. Last night, same thing, Astros, Rangers. Teams that can catch the ball give you an awful lot more confidence when you're out on the mound. But so, it's those guys that, that okay. really want it, and that's the, that's a special thing to watch. Oh, man, so special. It's like it's such an like, awesome feeling. I mean, it's 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 an awesome – it's part of baseball. Forget about to, to have that guy yeah. where you just know – like he is just nails, and I go back to Beckett, and obviously, you know, like that's the one that I saw up in in person that that game, uh, game five in Cleveland, you know, when yeah. you guys you guys are down three yeah. one, and you have the off day, and Ortiz is giving the speech on the table or whatever he's doing, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. like we're bad MFers and like whatever it is, yeah, and and yeah. and Beckett comes out and he beats CC Sabathia. Who wins the Cy Young that year? Yeah, challenge flag on that. But yeah, you're right. Like, oh. It should have been Beckett. Oh, it should have been, been Beckett. Beckett. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know how much, Bobby? You know how much money the Red Sox <laughs> saved by signing Josh Beckett to the extension a year before? <laughs> Holy I know, crap. no doubt. I think he knows it too. <laughs> oh, well, he he doesn't. He you know Beckett. He's like, oh wow, what are you gonna do? No, he actually yeah, yeah, came exactly. on. He came on the podcast. He said, yeah, hey, listen, the Red Sox were genius. You know, they got me when I had a five ERA in July the year before. Um, so when you watch, you mentioned Bochi. This is interesting to me. When you watch Bochi now, and you watch Bo, you remember what Bochi was playing for him. It's obviously there's, you know, we're almost like nine years difference you know what do you see like what do you see that like this is why he's so good this is why he continuously finds himself in these spots well I think I think what works for him is one the starting staff has kind of been cobbled together it's not what you they had DeGrom they had the guys at the begin with and then you I don't think you got what five starts out of DeGrom and and it was kind of over there and they've made the trades but they've got guys that can eat up the innings. I think the one thing that's um, maybe been a little bit more difficult for him is that bullpen is still unpredictable uh, when you get down to it. And I think they had some chances to maybe close this series out earlier. It didn't happen regardless. So, Boach, if it, every time the camera shoots in there, he's either got his hand up here or he's just here. He's a calm figure in that clubhouse. And that is a huge thing. Now, don't get me wrong. And San Francisco, the bullpen, we didn't have a bullpen. So everyone stayed in the dugout. And you can hear under, <laughs> he doesn't have the quietest voice. You can hear him uh, beeping and, be, you know, cuss word yeah, yeah. here, cuss word there. He, but he won't show it. He won't show it because he understands that people are going to feed off his body language. And that's why there's a lot of ebbs and flows with the Rangers' season. But ultimately, he, he wants the veteran guys getting the work, getting the reps, uh, and and running him out there all the time, whether it was Seager, whether it was Simeon, whether it was uh, Low, like these guys will get the at bats in the in the big time spots, as opposed to making a, a bench move because he knows those guys have earned their stripes, and those are the guys that he's going to ride or die with. And I think that's what players gravitate towards when you look at some of these veteran uh, managers that are still in there. Dusty Baker being one as well. He's going to run out the same lineup. He's going to attack you with those guys, even if they're slumping, because he knows it's just one swing and you're back in it. 
And Garcia's perfect example. He's getting blown away, blown away, blown away. It's a grand yeah. slam. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's six for five with another three homers. So he trusts those guys and trusts the abilities, the talent and abilities that these guys have. And I think that it's not, I shouldn't say it's underappreciated, but it's just refreshing to see um, some guys being able just to manage with their gut and feel. What What's the similar similarity? And maybe you already made it similarity and difference of those two guys that we mentioned, Terry Francona and Bruce Bochy. I mean, there's not a lot, again, not a lot of human beings that I could ask this question to, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, this is an immaculate grid question. I think mean, this is like, who has played for both guys? But, I know, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, but you're, listen, you're uh, if that comes up, I, I will absolutely put your name. But what, so what is, uh, what are they? I think uh, first and foremost, again, it's the body language that you get from both of those guys. They have complete confidence in what you do. I will say one thing that uh, Terry Francona does that Boach, he has to know you a little bit to be like this, but I think with Terry Francona, he's, his sarcasm is very disarming for a lot of guys. And, you know, maybe the rookie guys, maybe not as much, but he tries to tell you, that's his way to tell you to relax. And I think that is, I mean, he did it for me. I got traded and I showed up third inning. I think it was, uh, again, it was Red Sox at Minnesota. I'd never met anybody on that team. I was there for spring training the year before. Rule five guy didn't make it out of spring. So I get traded back uh, in 2006. So I still know some of the faces, but I meet him and I go down the line and he goes, hey, Javi, nice to see you. Welcome on board. You got the eighth inning. Like, just, just like that. Like, and I don't even know how to react, but he, he does it. And then he gives you a little wink like he would always do, a little sarcasm as he's rolling his tobacco in the gum. And I'm like, all right, is he serious? I don't know. But, you know, that's the little stuff to kind of just break you down and tell you to relax because you're in it. You're a part of it. And Bochi does the same thing. Bochi, the sarcasm isn't there again until he knows you. But he, he would flat out come right up to you and go, listen, you're here for a reason. You're here to let us win, to make us win and make us better. And that would be it. And he'd just walk you off. But he's also the biggest six six guy with a nine right. size head that I've ever seen in my life. Like he's he's just a giant imposing figure. And I think once you, once you stare at him and, and you get to have those conversations, it's okay. But talk about an intimidating man when you first meet him. It's Bruce Bochy. His hands. I got big hands. His hands would cover any wow. iPad. You have anywhere. It's amazing. Uh, Bruce Bochy. I would love to see the handshake of John Farrell and Bruce Bochy. This is it's, uh, <laughs> That's a good call. I mean, it is crazy. In, the, in fairness, Bruce yeah. Bochy hasn't been a lobsterman for the last couple of years. So maybe it's a, That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So I, I, I got to ask you before we go, uh, we talk about managers, the team that you played with, the team that you have covered, the team that you broadcast, the Giants. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. They're looking for a manager. Bob Melvin's obviously seems like he's sort of the top of the list. But having watched this team, it was a team we we talked about the bobbing and the weaving and the pitching and and maybe like and I know that they tried to sign Correa, but maybe the lack of stars. I don't know. I mean, you have you have a much better handle on what the Giants might need in a manager, um, how you view the Giants. So go ahead. I mean, just from your perspective, where where is this team at? Well, I do think it starts uh, with the talent on the roster. Uh, they've talked about it for the last off, two off seasons, at least, trying to get younger, trying to get faster, a la like the Diamondbacks, like just try to be more athletic, have more guys that are more dynamic players. 
but ultimately it's a tough place to sign free agents. Um, not pitchers. Pitchers love pitching there. Uh, <laughs> but it's a fan base that wants a winning club and they're used to that. And they are a loyal fan base. Um, you know, I, I, I think when we were having our great runs, we had seven, I think it was seven seasons of sold out baseball. Fans want to watch the Giants and support them. I think the problem that they're having is the lack of that star star power to really bring people back into the, into the stadium. Uh, you know, Farhan, to his credit, is a great roster creator, developer, manipulator. Like the guy can get the most out of what he brings in, but he needs to go grab two, three impact guys. I think he's been able to show that he's got some some ability to get the pitchers on board with that. Now you have Logan Webb, which is one of the better starting pitchers in all of baseball, let alone uh, the National League. Like I think he can, he, he'll contend for a Cy Young. You've got Alex Cobb. You've got some pieces that you can build around, but you do need that thump in the middle of the lineup that they've kind of been missing for the last four or five years. That you know, your your most, I guess your most threatening bat has been Wilmer Flores, and nothing against Wilmer. I love Wilmer, but mm. you, he's a good. He's a good second, third piece. You know, he's right. he's not he's not the he's not your anchor guy, and so I think they're looking for an impact bat. And that's not to say they haven't tried. They tried for Harper. They tried for John Carlos Stanton. They've tried to get some guys. They tried I mean, for Judge, Judge last year. Judge, they signed right? him for twenty seconds. Yeah, right. They had him for twenty seconds. <laughs> um, so it, it, they just need to get a guy like that. And I think that's why Bo Mel, Bob Melvin, kind of maybe is the guy that they've kind of uh, zeroed in on because he's got 20 years of managing experiences and they've tried to, they're going to try to go get the, uh, the Asian market with, and you know, whether they are able yeah. to go get Yamamoto, who knows where they can get Lee, who knows. Um, but it's the guy who's managed an absolute superstar in Ichiro Suzuki. Now, do you, do you tug on Ichiro to see if he'll make a call? I don't know, but it's worth the shot. And I think Farhan acknowledges that he needs some more, some more people to kind of um, dissent, so to speak, with, with some of the thoughts that he has and and come up with a plan together. And I think Bomel fits that job. You know, when we were out there, um, unfortunately, we saw each other for the Wakefield Memorial mm-hmm. in Boston, but Jason Baritzek was a name that came up and he he did his interview. That's another, in my opinion, another solid guy uh, who knows the, the X's and O's of baseball, can do the analytical thing. And another, impo- for me, another imposing guy when, when you talk to him, but he, he's, he wants to win. He's passionate about that. And those are the kind of people you want. But I think with, with Farhan, where he is in his contract, he's looking for a veteran to kind of help him through that. And I think Bomel kind of fits that bill, but they need to get younger. They need to get more athletic and, and it's a tough division to compete. The Dodgers are really, I mean, they're the cream of the crop in, in the NL West. And as you can see, the Diamondbacks aren't going away. You know, it's obviously interesting because I think it's it's great to get young and athletic, and and I think that it's it's you know the Giants obviously were in it almost to the end, so there it is the roster building ability there. But when you look at teams like the Phillies or the Rangers or you know are you know I, even like to an extent like the Diamondbacks found their stars, you know they found their stars. Man, they didn't necessarily sign them, but you found the stars. I think, and I'm anxious to get your perspective of this. Because I see it with the Red Sox, this this you can build the team, but you need to pay for the certainty of a few players. You need to pay for you know you can call them superstars or whatever, but you need to pay for the certainty of a few players. And 
I think that sometimes um, where these, these, especially maybe like I saw in the bullpen, like the bullpen, for instance, with the Red Sox, the year before, yeah, you hit on some guys, but at the end of the game, where was your certainty? All right, they go out and pay for Ken Lee Jansen and Chris Martin. I think that you can do that in the middle of the order. Look at what the Philly, the Philly certainly have paid for certainty. I mean, holy mackerel, I think I did the math. Um, five guys make up 71% of their payrolls. Okay, as long as yeah. you hit on the right yeah. guys. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, this your, your, your team's had that. Yeah, and I think that's that's what they got to figure out. I think you like the Giants, like you mentioned, they competed, but you had two starters. You had two starters, and then you went with bullpen games three times out of the week, four times out of the week. That's that's hard to continually do that and and win ball games. But they found a way. But that's not an ideal plan. Hmm. I think we can all agree with that. That you want you want to go into a weekend series knowing that you got three dudes you can run out there and you're going to have a good chance of winning two of them. I think that's what all the teams in the postseason got to, where they're like, all right, I can run these guys out there. We got a really good chance of winning this stuff. Now, when it comes to the hitting side, you got to overpay. And that's just what it's going to take to get to San Francisco. I don't, you know, they're not going to change the ballpark dimensions. They're always going to go towards pitching and defense. But that's not to say that the homers aren't are totally gone. I think they have they have power in that lineup. But you do need that guy. You need the guy that when it comes down to pitchers meetings and advanced scouting meetings that, Hey, Rob's not going to beat me here. He's, we got to pitch around him. We got to find somebody else. And I, and then hopefully you get two guys that you're going to have to circle or maybe even three. So you need length in that lineup. The giants need to find a way to do that. Um, and I do think it's, it's going to have to come with a little bit of an overpay, whether it's a higher AAB, um, maybe less years that can do it. I think for a lot of guys, they would be willing to do that. Um, but you know, the, California, regardless of what you say about the taxes and all that, they have some uh, probably at least five of the top ten contracts in all the sports. Highest paid players are out west, so you know it's not it's not the the taxes that are going to deter people from getting out there. You know, if you if you kick up that annual average value, they're gonna they're gonna make it happen. Yeah, just pay a little bit more for the taxes, you'll be okay. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I know what I'm going for. It's Halloween. I'm going as a four-time World Series champ. So I'm going as you. So, I mean, thanks so much, man. Rob, I appreciate you having me, man. Anytime.